What a reflective song that is, right, of, of what the Lord says that we are and exactly what we've been talking about as we've been going through this series in Ephesians. But the first thing that I would love for you to do is on the inside of the aisle here is a clipboard, and it's got a little um, thing with lines on it, piece of paper, that's what that thing's called. Um, but if you would write down your name there, and this is a great way for us to uh, just keep track of you in a sense, right? We want you to uh, be known and know that you are known. And so our goal through that is if you go missing for a couple weeks, we want to just call you up and see if everything's all right, make sure you're good, and uh, see if there's any way that we can help you with anything as well. And so uh, we do that each and every week and um, just look forward to um, seeing who's here every week as well and what comes through that, all right? Well, I will tell you that as of Friday morning, I could not stand for more than 30 minutes, I could not talk, and I could not swallow, and my nose was congested like all kinds of business. And so you get in this weird place, especially on a Friday, where you're weighing, okay, do I make a call to somebody else to preach, or what will the Lord do in healing me in the next couple days, right? And here we are, so I can hopefully make it through the rest of this message, but I will say, like, man... I went to the doctor Friday morning, took medicine Saturday morning. I was kind of ready to go. And then, like, this morning, I woke up early even, like, ready to go. So I feel rejuvenated and just excited to be preaching to you. But also this, like, I realized on Friday morning as we've been walking through this series in Ephesians, like, I don't want to give this up. Like, I don't want to step out of this for a week and go to something else so somebody can cover right? And then come back to it. Like, this is exciting what the Lord's been doing. It's exciting to see what some of you have been sending just in messages to me, like, hey, I was reading this. This is cool, right? And different things like that, and just hearing encouraging words of how the Lord's speaking to you through His Word and speaking to you through this book of Ephesians and through this study of Ephesians. And so uh, I hope that this has been beneficial to you. I hope that maybe you've learned something fresh. You've learned something new. You're not sitting there every week going, Well, I already knew that, but thanks, right? Like this is hopefully encouraging to you. And it's been encouraging to me even as we're walking through it and as we're just dissecting the book of Ephesians ultimately is kind of what we're doing, right? And so today we're going to continue on and we're going to be moving uh, towards the end of chapter four and into chapter five, all right? So Real quick, just in a, in a kind of an overview of what we've been talking about, our, our main goal of this, as that song just clearly stated, our desire or my desire is that you see yourself the same way that God sees you, right? That you see yourself in the same way that God sees you. And ultimately, that is the book of Ephesians, like your identity and where your identity is wrapped up in. And your identity is wrapped up in, in Christ, This phrase that Paul uses over and over in the book of Ephesians as he's speaking to the church at Ephesus or the people in the city of Ephesus. And we hear over and over, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, we've learned that if we are in Christ, right, then we have all of these things, these blessings that he gives us, including adoption, right, into the family of God. And that adoption then gives us inheritance. That inheritance also gives us heirship to the king and co-heirs with Christ. We have all of that that happens when we are in 
Christ. But the thing is that we've talked about multiple times, you may be getting tired of me hearing it, is that that is not only something that we receive when we get to heaven, but it's something that we can enjoy now. Those blessings and those giftings that the Lord has given us. And then last week, we moved into this idea of how that looks in the church, what that looks like in the body of Christ. Each of us gifted in a specific way and then brought to this place and knitted together in a beautiful way to achieve what God wants to achieve with this body and what he wants to do and the blessings that we have through our giftings that we possess, right? And then we talked about how that then binds us together in this thing we call unity. And then last week in verse 17, so chapter 4, verse 17, we kind of got to our first therefore, right? Therefore, and we've talked about when there's a therefore, we need to see what it's there for. So we need to go back to the verses before that. And so last week we talked about this idea of that unity in the body, right? And then he says, therefore, I say this and testify to the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts or their minds, for they are darkened in their understanding and excluded from the life of God. Okay, so we need to, if we're going to be unified, right, then we need to step away from that. But here's what Paul begins to do in chapter 4 and what we're going to pick up on today. He is beginning this, this stacking, if you will, all right? And so he's stacking in such a way that he's saying, this is who you used to be, okay? This is now who you are, And here's the benefits of it and what that should look like. Right? So let me say that again. This is who you were. This is who you are. And this is the benefits and what it should begin to look like. And he begins this pattern now in chapter 4 and in chapter 5 as he's beginning to walk through it. And he's saying, look, okay, here's now how you should live. All right? So, in verse 15, he mentions this unity in the Spirit, right? This growth within the body. And in verse 15, he says, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Right? Like, let's be more like Christ. He is desiring the church that it grow. And so then in verse 17, he says, Therefore, right, you should no longer walk in futility. Because they had calloused hearts and they gave themselves over to all types of impurities. But then here's where it begins in verse 22. He goes back to this idea of this is who you were, this is who you are, and this is what it should begin to look like. Because look what he says in verse 22. He says, you took off your former way of life. All right, you took off your former way of life. The old self. Now, what does the old self look like? The old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. And you are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. And you put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of truth. Man, how great is that? Right? We're being renewed. We're being transformed. We're being changed. So again... What, what did the old self look like? The old self was deceitful. The old self was ignorant. The old self was callous. The old self had a hardness of heart, ultimately. But what does the new self look like? Well, the new self, again, is being renewed. It's being changed. It's being created according to God's likeness. Okay, 
So this is who you were, the old self, right? This is who you are, the new self. Now here's what that begins to look like. And he walks through these five kind of practical things that that begins to look like. All right, so the first one that he says starts in verse 25 of chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be. And it's going to be up on the screen, all right, as well. Or I think it is because I was on meds when I made them. All right, so here we go, all right? I hope it is. If not, hope you have your Bible. If not, open up an app, right? So here we go. All right, so the first one that he brings up is this idea of truth, all right? In verse 25, he brings up this idea of truth, and he says, since you put away lying, okay? So you've taken off the old self, you now have your new self, and you've put away lying. And he says, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Now, here's what you're going to notice, all right, is as he's talking to them, he's not giving them just this moral goody-goody standpoint, but he is backing this even with Scripture and saying, look, this is why you should begin to live this way. All right, so he says, since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Now, again, we're talking about this unity in the body, right, and what that begins to look like. So what he says next, he says, because we are members of one another, So if we are members of the same body, why then would we want to be lying to one another or even be lying to people outside of the body? What picture does that give them of the body, right? So the first one, again, is truth. The second one is this. It's the idea of anger. Now, as we read this, catch what he says. He says, be angry. Wait a minute, what? Yeah, he says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Now, wait, so you're saying it's okay that I can be angry. I can't lie, but I can, I can be mad as I want to be, right? Mad as a firecracker. I can be mad and I can be angry. No, 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 no. Look, here's what we tend to do, okay? We tend to believe that we can just put anger away, that anger just goes away. And then here's what the world does. The world says, put that anger away, right? And then we suppress it and we suppress it some more, and we suppress it some more, and then what happens? It's suppressed so much so that we just let out in this big explosion. Right? That's how the world reacts. But what he's saying here is he's saying, be angry and do not sin. In other words, don't have that anger in such a way that it brings with it this temper or this sinful manner. Now, a great example of this is Jesus and his righteous anger. Right in the book of John, Jesus goes into the temple. What's happened to the temple? There's marketplace. It's turned into a marketplace. It no longer looks like the temple. And we see Jesus start to clean it out. Right? He's flipping tables. He's running people out because why? Because it's a righteous anger towards what these people have done to his temple. They've turned it into this place that we're going to sell things. We're going to give away things. But here's what happens. Look, we don't suppress it. We control it, right? We begin to filter our anger, and then what does he say? He says, don't let the sun go down on it, right? Like, we can take care of it. We have a little bit of control over it. Now, look what he says also. He says, don't give the devil an opportunity, because how could the devil take anger and twist it? Well, he can take that righteous anger, he can twist it into something where it is a sin, Right? It becomes then a sin in how we look at it. But here's the deal. Okay? Sinful anger 
belong to their past and who they were, right? Their old self. Righteous anger against the things that go against God were now a part of their new self. So he says, yes, be angry towards the things that are against God, but don't sin in it. Okay? So he's got truth. He's got anger. Then he moves into stealing and being honest. And look what he says. He says, the thief must no longer steal. Instead, he must do honest work with his hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. Again, going back to this idea of unity, but also this idea of being honest in our labor. Right? Being honest in our labor. The next one, in verse 29, this idea of bitterness. Now, when we're bitter, it's really hard for us to encourage. Right? If I'm bitter towards somebody, it's going to be really hard for me then to encourage that person. And as we're looking at the unity of the body, look what he says. He says, no foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need. Right? Encouragement. So that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed by him for the day of redemption. But then look what he gives to them. He says, all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. Now, what does malice mean? Well, malice is this big church word, biblical word, that means basically a desire to harm someone or to see them suffer. And so if we are bitter towards that person, And if we have the unhealthy anger, like if you go back to the Greek, this anger here is different than the anger he just talked about. It's the unhealthy anger. It's the brewing anger. He says, no, no, you need to remove these things from your life, including bitterness, right? And that's how we should begin to respond to our brother and our sister in this unity of the body. The fifth one is this, it's forgiveness, Right? Look what he says. He says, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Right? Now look here. I don't know if he intentionally put forgiveness on the end, but it works for what I'm about to say, okay? If we don't forgive, then none of these other things work. Right? If we don't have a forgiving heart in the same way that Christ forgave us, none of these other things begin to work. So how then do we do that? What does that begin to look like? Well, over in Matthew chapter 18, we're lucky enough that Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How many times? What does that look like? And then he, he throws out a guess because it's Peter, right? And he says this, He says, as many as seven times? Seven? No, look what he says. Here's what Jesus responds. He says, I tell you, not as many as seven. And Peter's like, oh, less than that? But 70 times seven, right? And for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with the slaves. And when he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. And since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. But look look at what it says. It says, at this, the slave fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. And then the master of the slave had compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Like he didn't even worry about it. He wasn't like, hey, we'll just cut it in half. No, he's like, you don't worry about it at all. You don't have to pay 
any of it. That's how Christ forgives us. That's what it looks like. We have this huge debt, right? Our sin. But what does Christ do? Christ has paid for it with nothing in return. He's asking nothing in return. So we must forgive. Look, to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave in Christ. Excuse me. So look here. He forgives as Christ forgave, right? Now, you may look at each of those, right? This idea of, of anger, bitterness, all these different things, and you go, well, dead gum, uh, this past week, right? Like, I was dishonest. I maybe had some bitterness. I maybe had some anger. Like, all of these things were going on in my life. I even kicked a puppy this week. Like, all of those things have happened in my life this week. So what does that look like? Well, guess what? The Lord still forgives, right? He still forgives, And what a beautiful thing that is, that he forgives us. How does he forgive us? Well, we just read it, right? Even though our debt is something that we cannot handle, it is something that we can never pay back, he still forgives us and brings us redemption. Now, here's the deal. If we look at these things, we go, okay, the world has its way that they deal with these five things, right? The world has its way that it deals with these five things. For instance, the anger thing, like just suppress it, just, just keep it down. It'll be all good. But then what, look what he says in chapter 5, verse 1. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Right? Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. So all these things, these five things that he's just given us, this is how, what they should look like in your life right? Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Now, what does it mean to imitate? Well, when I think of imitation, there's two things. There's the bad version, right? Like imitation cheese, right? Like it's not good, right? But also I think of imitation, uh, a great example would be yesterday when the Razorbacks are playing like high schoolers and I'm going, you're a terrible team, and what are my kids sitting on the couch doing? You're a terrible team. Like they are imitating the father, right? They're imitating their father. It was a righteous anger, I promise. Right? Like, but here's the thing. Like they're imitating what they see. Right? And so he says, here, look, therefore be imitators of, of what? Of God as dearly loved children. Because why? Because we're in Christ. Right? We are his children. We are his heirs. So as dearly loved children, be imitators just as my children imitate their father, whether it be good or bad. Imitate God. But then he says this. He says, and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us, as Jesus loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Man, how awesome and beautiful is that, right? And then he continues on. And he says, But sexual immorality or any impurity or greed should not be even heard of among you as proper for the saints. Now, the very first week we talked about the saints, right? Saints being one that is set apart, that is different. So we as a church should respond differently. Because why? Because we're imitating Christ. We're imitating Christ in the way that we have just been told through his word. So our response should look different than the world. 
Right? And he continues on and he says, Coarse and foolish talking and crude joking are not suitable, but rather give thanks. Right? For know and recognize this, every sexual immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater, one who is not focused on Christ ultimately, right, does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. All right, so who has the inheritance? The one that is in Christ. Right? And he says if you're in Christ, then you're not necessarily going to be focusing on these things. But you've been removed from them. Now, he's given us, again, this stacking process, right? He's beginning to stack these things. This is who you were. This is who you are. Now here's what that begins to look like in your life, right? And so he starts with unity, right? Unity in the body, unity in the church, all right? So what was the, what, what was the opposite of that? Well, the opposite of that was living as the Gentiles did in their futility, right? Their calloused hearts and their scaled eyes. So we have the unity and the scaled eyes. We then have the new self and the old self that we just talked about and what that looks like. And now he's about to, in verse 6, step into this idea of light and darkness, right? Light and darkness. And look what he says in verse 6. He says, let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of things. Therefore, here it comes again, Therefore, do not become their partners. Now look, here it is. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. And don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. But look at verse 13. Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore, it is said, Get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. So here's where we were. We were in darkness. Where are we now? We're in light, right? And in light, here is what that looks like. For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. I mean, what a beautiful thing that that is, right? The comparison of light versus dark, who we were and who we are now. But look here, all right? What is the light? What does the light begin to be? And what is the light that we're talking about? We're talking about the light being Christ himself because look what Jesus says back in the book of John. He says, Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me, catch this, will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Right? So I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light he's talking about here. Peter also says it in his little postcard, if you will, of 1 Peter 2.9. He says this. He says, but you are a chosen race. Like this can be a celebration. I think it's a song. It could, should be a song. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. But catch this next part. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness. into his marvelous light. Man. So where were we? We were in darkness. Right? We were called out of that darkness into what? Into the light. 
But not just the light, the marvelous light. And not just the marvelous light, but His marvelous light. Who's the His in that? His is Jesus. It's Him. (laughs) That's the light we've been brought into. We're children of it. Right? And it's as though Paul and Peter are both saying, look, I was that. Right? Like, I was that. But now I'm this. So I'm no longer that. Right? Did you catch that? It's up here. I was that. But now I'm this. And I'm no longer that. Now here's the thing. This, this room is a great example of that. I'm not saying that you guys over here are in darkness, okay? But just bear with me, right? Because there's darkness. I know. Sorry, Jake. But there's darkness over here, right? And there's light over here. Now, here's the thing. Is it easier to read your Bible over here, or is it easier to read your Bible over here? I would think it's easier to read your Bible over here, because why? Because you're in the light, right? You're no longer in the darkness, unless you're using your phone, right? But you're in the light, because what does he say about the light? He says, look, the light, everything exposed in the light is made clear, for what makes everything clear is light. Now, here's the thing. All right? So we have this idea. You were dead. Or I guess you were dead. Right? Now you're alive. Okay? You were cut off. But now you're enthroned. Right? You had your old self. Now you have your new self. You were in darkness, but now you're in light. And it doesn't really matter how you say it. All of them celebrate this matter of redemption in what? Christ. In Christ. Right? That's what brings us from here to there. It's Christ. And as we learned a chapter or two back, right? It's not by anything we can do. It is through Christ that we are brought from here to there. It's through Christ. It's Him. Now, here's the tough part and the thing that we do as believers, all right? As we step closer to the light, what does it say? It says, everything will be exposed by the light is made clear, for what makes everything clear is light. Okay? So as we move closer to the light, as we abide with Christ, as we grow with Christ, here's what happens. We begin to see more in our life that might need to be cut out. We see more things in our life that might need to be removed, We see more things in our life that he may want to prune away from our hearts and from our minds and from our life. But it says this about the darkness. Look what it says. I got to find it. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. Right? Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. Like this over here, darkness is fruitless. There is nothing. But what's in the light? Oh, there is fruit, and there is fruit of the light. It results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Man, what a beautiful thing to reside in. But again, as we get closer to the light, things start showing up. We don't like that. 
right? We don't like that because those things are things that the Lord's saying, you might need to remove that. You might need to clip that away. But look here. We have a harder time sitting in both. Sitting both in the light and sitting both in the darkness. Right? Like that's the hard place to be because now I'm being pulled. Which way do I go? Do I live over here in the darkness where everything's fruitless? Or do I live over here in the light where everything's, where there's fruit? Where do I need to be? But look here. The question is then what is the Lord in our life? Right? Is he the light? Is he the one we're drawing closer to? Or is he the one that we're drawing away from? Because here's the deal. When the Lord is in our life and he is head of our life, look what happens. All the things that we've seen through the book of Ephesians. You're adopted. You have inheritance. You are heirs of God. You are co-heirs with Christ. You have a new self created according to God's likeness. You become an imitator of him. You are dearly loved children. And you are walking in the light. You're walking in the light. Now again, if we see ourselves in the way that God sees us, how does he see us? What does that look like? Well, he sees us as adopted. He sees us as one who will receive his inheritance. He sees us as heirs of what he has, co-heirs with Christ. He sees us as someone who has put on a new self according to his likeness. He sees us as imitators of him, and he sees us as dearly loved children who are walking towards him and growing to abide in him. But look at what he says there in verse 15 as we continue on. He says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. It's almost as though he's saying, therefore, right? Like one more, therefore. Therefore, pay careful attention to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Right? Understand what the Lord's will is. And we go, okay, great. Well, as we talked about last week, like I don't get an email each week that tells me what the Lord's will is for my life. That'd be great. No, but I do have the word of God and I do have his promises and his will for my life is this, that I am adopted, right? That I have inheritance, that I am an heir of him. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I have a new self put on that's created in his likeness. I am an imitator of him. I'm a dearly loved child of him and I am walking in his light. Something beautiful to rest in. Is it not? Something beautiful to rest in, that he loves us so much that he would send his son for each of these things to be given to us when we are in him, when we are in Christ. But it's when we're in Christ, right? It's not when we're in the darkness because those are fruitless. It's not when we're cut off because we're cut off. It's not when we're dead but it's when we are alive, when we're enthroned and when we're in the light. What a beautiful thing that that is.
Excuse me. So pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. And don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I think oftentimes we wrestle with that. Okay. I desire that. Like, that's what I want to be. I want to be in the light, right? Like, I desire my new self. Like, all of those things. But where do I begin to step into that? We need to ask for wisdom. We need to ask for the Lord's wisdom in our life. I say the first place to go, if you're not in Christ, you need to begin to take steps to begin to be in Christ. Right? So then, okay, I've taken that step, but now I'm desiring to be these things you're saying. Absolutely. How do I do that? I think we've got to ask the Lord, what does that look like in my life? What does it look like in my life? And James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask the Lord, right? He should ask the Lord. And so here over these next few minutes, that's what we're going to allow you to do. Morgan's going to come up and she's going to play through one more song. And during that time, it's, again, as I say, this is your one-on-one time with the Lord, right? This is your time with the Lord. What's he saying to you? What is that thing that's in your life, maybe that needs to be removed today, right? Like, what's the chain that's holding you back? What is it that's keeping you in between darkness and light? Like, what is it that... It's keeping you from fully being in the light of the Lord. What's got you? 